like what real fatherhood is. Like a real father stays with their family. A real father stays with the kids. A real father fights for everything for their kids and their, their wife and everything and keeps the family together. Our culture is so backwards on that. Like when you watch TV, what's a real man? The one that's getting drunk all the time and smoking mm -hmm. Mr. Cool over there, right? And it's like, no, that's not a real man. Like a real man is the one that stayed with their family and would rather be with their family than friends. Everyone, this is the Rising Father Podcast. I'm Chris Rodak. I've got Nate Weber on Instagram. He's hitting Coach Nate, and we're just going to talk about what he does. We're going to talk about fatherhood and being a badass dad who can do awesome shit. So, welcome, Nate. Hey, man, how's it going? I appreciate you having me on. This is awesome. Glad to get yeah. To talk to you finally. Yeah, no, we. I think we connected what like a month ago. You came across me or something. We started just chatting a little bit, but I was looking. I've been looking through your stuff. I'm not a baseball player. I've I'm a really bad baseball player. Like out of my entire group of friends, I'm the worst baseball player. So I look at your stuff and I'm like, man, I wish I could do that. That looks really fun. Like, I wish yeah. I could throw a ball. I wish I could hit a ball like your daughter, actually. <laughs> she, she hits hard. She's a good. She's a good player. Takes a lot of work, though. Yeah, you know? I bet. So how many, how many kids you got? I got three kids. So I got a four-year-old, a six-year-old, and then I got my 15-year-old daughter. So I'm all over the place, man. Yeah. And, and on your Instagram, you, you work with a bunch of people and, but do you work with her specifically? Um, not as much as I'd like. She's actually probably the one I work with the least. I mean, I work with her, but, um, I got a lot of clientele. I'm also a college uh, coach. Um, okay. so I coach D3 softball. Um, I'm their hitting coach there. Uh, we've got a couple colleges here in town that are all D3 mm -hmm. and, and one NAIA. So, um, they picked me up last year because they saw my Instagram, my Facebook stuff, and they really liked what I was doing. And then kind of helps that I have a daughter and I work with a lot of girls. So I know how to like communicate in that way. So, and then, I mean, I mean, I, you, just being a father, it really helps. It really does help coach to be a dad of a girl and then to come in to coach softball. Really, really it's, it's helped my mentality, how to handle things in a different so way. So. so you're coaching college you said now? Yep. Yep, and I'm you, in the middle. Of my, I just started my my spring season, so we just started yesterday with our hitting and stuff. That, so, and which college is that again? It's called Loris College in Dubuque, Iowa. So, yep, that's where I'm at. Awesome. Up in Iowa, it's cold here. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. It's uh, it's, I don't know, 15 degrees today in Pittsburgh. Oh man, just about Great. the same. Yeah. So what's what was it like for you going to college then? Going to the college level, big transition. Um. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a, such a different learning experience. Because, like, I, I guess I didn't realize, because I mean, I played, I played baseball in college, and my, yeah. both my brothers played in college and stuff like that. But when I came into the college world, um, I didn't realize how mental it really was compared to the physical. So, yeah, I got to work on physical stuff. But in college, I guess from a female or, or what I'm seeing in the college athletes with women mm -hmm. is that, like, it's way more mental for them than anything, you know, because I don't, they all come from different backgrounds. They all come from different teams and coaches. And, and honestly, a lot of the coaches beat them up really bad mentally. So they come in really weak mentally. And what I do as a hitting coach, I'm trying to make you the most confident you can possibly be at the plate as a young woman. And it's not, it's not, not just confidence in softball, but I'm trying to make you a confident human being. You know, that's really what we're trying to do because I want you to go out in the world one day and be you know, observe, you know, just be that huge, confident person where it doesn't matter who you're working for, or what team you're playing with, 
but in every job and every aspect of your life, I want you to have that confidence for the rest of your life. But it's been so damaged to them growing up. And it's, it's really sad to see, but it's awesome to see them grow so much in just a four year period that, that I can be with them, you know? Let's dig into that a little bit. What is right. the, da- what is the damage that the, you see them going through? Yeah. So like, I don't know if you played youth ball or any sport, right? Everybody seems to have that one coach that just beat them up mentally in some way, like telling them they're not good enough, like literally saying, no, you can't do that. Um, I can't believe you did that. I can't believe you struck out. I can't believe you missed that shot. I can't believe you, you threw that ball away. Like they have such feel fear of failure. It's, it's unbelievable. Like they're so scared of failing. Um, and the way I teach it, I want you to fail. You learn so much from failing. Like if you fail, you can grow. If you're successful all the time throughout your life, which isn't really a thing. I've never met someone that's had nothing but success their entire life. Yeah, they're lying. Sounds, right? So um, I'm trying to tell them, I want you to die for that ball. And if you miss it, I'm going to come give you a high five because you dope for your team. You went all out for us. You, I, I want those players that are going to run through a wall for me. I run through a wall for their players. I don't want that kid that's afraid to do that. I don't want that kid that's afraid to make that mistake because then you're not going to dive. You're not going to go all out for that team and, and make that mistake and take that risk. I love risk takers. Love them. My, my favorite kind of player, the one that's going to go all out for everybody else because then everybody else on the field, they will trust them more and more and they know they're going to go all out for them when they're pitching or, or whatever else is going on on the field, right? Or even basketball, whatever sport you want to compliment, like talk about in that way. So yeah, you That's don't think some of those coaches are out there, but they actually are. Like I, I teach, I went to school for music. I teach saxophone lessons right. and this girl is an awesome softball player. And she bitches to me all the time about her coach. You know, man, he said this to me. He said this to me. He's bringing me, I was like, Jesus, I didn't think those. you know, I thought those people were just on the movies, but because yep. you can't imagine yourself saying that to a kid because you know, the damage it has. Um, yep. But yeah, there's people that are actually out there. And it's cool that that's a big part of your job, that you're actually building people up. And that takes us to fatherhood. Like that's a big part of fatherhood is building your children. It's building their confidence, building their life. I just, I just, just talked to my wife before this podcast, you know, my son hit a couple of weeks where he was down. He wasn't seeing his friends at school. So mentally he was down. So we had to do a concerted effort. Like, okay, we need to build him back up. We need to build his confidence. We need to do these things so that he sees himself in the right light. Like, do you see any, what connections have you been making between what you do at work, building these girls confidence? And then like, how are you applying that at home? Yeah. So what I'm seeing again, I, I learned a lot from college, again, the mental side. So with my daughter, more than my boys, you know, my boy, mm-hmm. I have two boys, the four and six year old, they're just monsters, um, which is, <laughs> they're built so differently, boys and girls, right? Yeah. Um, but my daughter, like, I make sure that the way I talk to her is not damaging. So when she gets to college, she's, she's way more prepared for college. Um, and, and to be, do- I like, I talk about dominate, like, I don't know if you watch the show Coach Prime on Amazon Prime, but I love it because he talks about dominating on the field and things of that nature. And when you step on there, you want to dominate. So I'm like, I'm talking to her just about how to, to approach your practices and how to approach when you go to your job and how do you approach everything in life um, going forward when you go to school, how to carry yourself. Like I talk about posture a lot when I talk about hitting, like posture and balance and things like that, that, that make you a better hitter. But I'm like, don't just think about posture when you're hitting. I want you to walk in class tomorrow with great posture because guess what? 
Have you ever seen a D1 athlete or a world leader in general or anybody that's a big leader in this world have bad posture? No, they walk into every room, super tall, shoulder blades back, you know, heads up. You know, they walk in and they, they, I mean, it just consumes you. You look right at that person and everybody wants to hang out with that person. You know, they draw attention because of just the way they walk into a room. Like, I guarantee you, if you go into class tomorrow is how I talk to her. If you go into class tomorrow with better posture, you're going to get more respect from your team, your classmates and your teammates just by having better posture. And like, it's called a Superman pose or whatever you want to call it. Right. Mm -hmm. And that, I, that's really where I get her because I see all these girls in college, they, they, they walk with their heads down and they, they're afraid to do something. They're afraid to make the mistake. They're afraid to talk to their peers in a specific way or because of what they're wearing or anything like that. And I'm trying to get her into that mindset of like, none of that matters. Be proud of yourself of what you are. The clothes don't matter. Have good posture, carry yourself in a specific way, treat others with respect. You know, that kind of, that kind of message and life will get easier and easier as you go. You know, you'll figure out who your real friends are, all that stuff. Um, but I'm, I'm learning all that from these college girls. Like they don't realize what they're teaching me. You know, I'm mm -hmm. teaching them a lot, but I'm learning a lot from them. Um, just the way they are going through life and how they were brought up. So it really helps me be a better dad. It, I mean, coaching has taught me a ton, you know, like just getting to know all these kids. So it's, it's pretty cool. It's a really cool experience. Yeah, that's I mean, I'd imagine every single day you've got lessons to bring back home. Yep. And I mean, that's, I see that too, you know, kids walking with their heads down, shoulders, shoulders down. And a lot of that is kind of like the age we live in so many cell phones, iPads, video games, and then obviously, obviously coming off of COVID kids wearing masks for two years and not being able to, you know, really communicate with people it has a massive impact on them. Um, so there's a lot of rehab that has to happen with kids right now in terms of building their identities back up. It's great to see you doing that at school and at home. Um, so you mentioned your kids being crazy. What ages are your boys again? Uh, four and six. Four, okay, my, my boy's nine. My daughter's seven. And it is insane how differently they are. Like my daughter is, you know, straight A student. She puts her clothes out in piles before, before the next day next to her bed. You know, she'll call my son Nathan out on stuff. She'll, she's more organized than I am. <laughs> and then my son wears his hoodies backwards. He has mis mixed match socks on and his pants backwards. And he, you know, throws stuff everywhere, which we're working on with him, but he's yeah. a completely different animal, but he's, he's definitely wild. He loves jujitsu and CrossFit and he loves being crazy. She loves ballet, but it is crazy to see the differences between them. So what are you doing with your younger kids? Um, you know, to kind of build their identities to, it's going to be different, obviously, then there's a huge age gap. But as you know, four or six year olds, what are you doing with them to help them out in this area of life? Yeah, so my, my boys, um, one thing I, I mean, it's tough. And I, I, why I was drawn to your page when I came across you and I, that's uh -huh. why I reached out because like, the message that like, I always took like my workout time is the me time, like, I need that time, you know, to get yeah. my workout. I saw that that video came across my page where it's like, no, work out with your boys, you know, work out with your son. You'll never get that time back, the bonding time. And like, they mimic us so much more than I realized. So my daughter was a big learning experience, just how she was growing up with, um, with me and stuff like that. So like, I, I made a lot of mistakes with my daughter. I think every parent does with their first kid. You're a little more strict. You do some different things, blah, blah, blah. But now my two boys, like I'm making sure I work out with them. Like I, when I'm, I'm like, all right, let's do some, let's do 10 push-ups quick. You know, like right away in the morning, let's get some push-ups in. Let's, um, and if they're jumping on me, like you said, don't get annoyed by it. You know, enjoy that process. Enjoy yeah. that, that 
they're not going to be able to jump on your back forever. You know, you want them to run with you. Like that's so fun. Um, And just to take that extra, like 30 seconds of the day to do 10 more pushups with them. And then they see you do it. They mimic you. They're going to want to do that growing up. And guess what? Your kids are going to be more athletic. They're going to be stronger. They're going to be more confident because of their, just their build, their appearance, whatever, because they're going to be in shape. Um, So you're building a more confident man in that way. Um, But then that creates routine, right? So routine is so important to kids. Um, I think that's the biggest thing I learned with my daughter is when she gets off routine, everything else kind of gets out of whack for her. So I don't know if that's your daughter too. Sounds like she's got a little bit of that maybe OCD where she's got to be super clean and organized. And when the routine is off, especially at such a young age, uh, even at nighttime, the brushing of teeth and let's read a book and let's say our prayers or whatever you got to do, right? Uh, or a shower in between, whatever the routine like for you at a home is. Once you break that routine, it gets harder and harder to put them to bed. They fight yep. more. They, 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 but if you keep to your routine, they'll go to bed on time. You'll get them to bed at 8.30 or 8 o'clock or whatever time it is that you get your kids to bed at every night. You know, it gets really easy. And then they grow up with routine. Um, and I tell this to my college kids all the time because I, I think it's such a big deal in life is sleep patterns. Um, sleep is so crucial to being a, like you're a big CrossFit or you just, um, do you CrossFit, right? Is that what it is? Um, I do jujitsu. I work out in the mornings, early morning. My wife does CrossFit every day at five fifteen. Okay. So like, obviously sleep is super important to gain muscle and to actually like recover and heal. Right. So I'm telling my kids, like my college kids and my daughter, cause they've traveled, they've flown all over the country and blah, blah. I'm like, when you go on a flight from let's say one side of the country to the other, you're jet lagged, right? You're, you're tired, you're blah, blah, blah. If you are going to bed at a different time every night, you are literally jet lagging yourself. You wonder why you're so tired the next day. Oh, I went to bed at eight o'clock one night and then I went to bed at 10 the next night. I waited until 12 the next night because I was on my phone because I was watching the show or whatever it was, right? And then the next night I went to bed, tried to go at eight and it's like, your sleep patterns are horrible. That routine that you're creating for yourself is why you are tired all the time. Yeah. Create that routine. Don't jet lag yourself every day. It's really hard to be an athlete or to be just a human being in general mm-hmm. with that kind of with that kind of attitude, I guess, of going to sleep whenever you want. You know, it's those things are really crucial in life. If you want to be a successful human being, in my opinion, those little things make a huge difference. You know, just sleep sleep routine. So it's I've like, learned a lot of that stuff. It's like little things that compound every single day because that's stuff that you know i was never my parents did an awesome job if you're listening but you know we, we never went over like um you know going to sleep every single night at this time blah blah is super important because just like saving money you know if you do something every single day 365 days a year for 20 years it compounds makes a huge difference and yeah obviously sleep is like supposed to be eight hours a day you know man that's a ton of your time if you multiply that every single day of the year times years then yeah, it has a massive impact on who you are. And I feel like there's so many little things that as dads, we have to be like, oh yeah, I wasn't taught this, but it actually is super important to be a successful man. Like, yeah, going to sleep on time. Um, maybe like journaling. I'm, I'm trying to get my, my son and daughter into journaling and just talking about being grateful and things. I'm trying to build their identities the night before. So that's um, I'm in the process of creating a kid's journal, but one thing that we're doing is saying, all right, what did you do today that made you happy? What did you do today that shows that you're a strong person? What did you do today that shows you're a friendly person? And then, you know, what are you going to do tomorrow? That's awesome. 
So they're, yep. you know, they're, they're reflecting on their day of how, you know, how they're a great person. And then what are they doing tomorrow that shows that they're going to be a great person. They can think about that all night when they sleep. Um, but like little things like that, even like, yeah, brush your teeth every day, but don't miss it once. You know? <laughs> Wipe your ass. If you're my son, <laughs> you know, like, and even like eating habits, which is a whole nother, which is a whole nother hurdle. And a lot of it comes down to like, all right, if dad has these habits, then the kids are going to have the habits. I do with yep. my ass, but, um, I hope so. <laughs> yeah. But a lot of it, a lot of the stuff we're talking about comes back to like, yeah, you as a father, you as a man have to figure your stuff out if you want the kids to figure their stuff out yep. because it doesn't matter. Like if I told, if I told my son, Hey, you got to be super organized. And then he goes in my car and there's just shit everywhere. Yep. It doesn't mean anything. Or if I'm like, don't eat all this junk and snack food, but then I'm just constantly gorging myself at night. It doesn't matter. Um, and whenever you make changes, like recently, my, my wife and I have been like super, super strict about our, our diet and macros and everything. And it's not like, yeah, your kids are going to jump on that. It's like, no, because it's, we've always eaten pretty healthy, but we're trying to be super strict for over the last couple of months. It's not like our kids are going to adopt that. And I don't even want them to, mm-hmm. but like, even if you're, you know, out of shape or you're a little sloppy of a person, you say, okay, I'm going to get my shit together this year. And my kids are going to do it too. It's going to be like, nah, man, there's going to be some transition time. Like they've watched you your whole life do one thing. Now you want to do a new thing. Um, so you have to build yourself into that person first. And then eventually they will too. Yeah. Like what are some habits that you've noticed your kids taking on? It could be good or bad. Yeah. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm a religious dude too. So like I'm Catholic. So, so um, but one thing I really like, geez, like I, I talk to a lot of parents. I talk to like, obviously, cause I do so many lessons with kids and stuff like that. But from a religious standpoint, like it blows my mind to like people expect their kids. Let's say you're getting confirmed or you're going to go to whatever you're trying to do with your kid from a religious standpoint. Yeah. You expect your kid to get confirmed and go to church every weekend and you don't go to church every weekend. Like you're saying, yeah. I guarantee when they grow up, they're not going to church every weekend. Right. Why would I have to do it? Mom and dad don't do it. That that's usually a mindset like that. I, br- I was brought to church every weekend. It didn't matter. My dad was going to take me to church no matter what, every weekend. And it instilled in me those morals, blah, 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 whatever you want to call it. Um, but it's a huge part of my now life today. And I go to church and I take my boys to church every weekend. And like when we miss, if we're going to miss church on Sunday, they tell me, dad, we miss church. You know, like we miss church. And like, it blows my mind that parents can't figure that out. Like, you know, from fatherhood standpoint, they mimic, like you're saying, if I eat healthy, guess what? My kids are probably going to grow up eating healthier. They might not eat unbelievably healthy, but they are going to do what you do majority of the time. And from a fatherhood standpoint with young women, that we have little younger girls, mm-hmm. if you treat your wife like crap all the time, guess what your little daughter is going to expect her husband to do to treat her like crap. And yeah. she's going to accept it. And that is not okay by any means in my world. I don't, I treat my daughter with the most respect, but I'm strict with her, right? So I don't just let her do anything, like, but I want her to understand how I treat my wife with respect and love and we give each other hugs and stuff. I want her to see that stuff and how you open a door for your daughter, like for your wife, when my daughter, like, I want my daughter to see all this stuff because I want her to see what a good marriage is. Um, she's going to want that same kind of thing. But us fathers, we have to lead by example in that most crucial way, especially even for our young boys, right? They're going to mimic the way you treat women. So if you are sitting there treating women bad all the time and you're talking about them in the most, 
the worst way possible, mm-hmm. what are they going to do? They're going to do the same thing. So they really watch. They, I mean, I, I posted, I don't know if you saw the post. Um, it wasn't my original one. I forget what coach it was, but he, he's in a seminar, right? And he's sitting there and he's like, you know, our kids mimic us from the youngest age when you don't even realize it. And he has this little one-year-old, I mean, I didn't one, maybe a seven-month-old. And he like hold him in his hands. And he's like, everybody just start clapping. And everybody started clapping. The audience, what does the baby do? Starts clapping. He's <laughs> like, I didn't tell her to clap. She just started clapping because she saw you guys clapping. They mimic us from the tiniest moments, right? When they're the smallest kid all the way up through um, the rest of their life. And uh, I think it's those little things when you're just, we sit on our phone all day, right? You're going to expect your kid not to sit on your phone all day. Yeah. Like, they're going to mimic that. They're going to say, oh, this is what mom and dad do. It's okay. You know, so um, those little moments are huge. So put the phone down, go play with your kids, go do the things that really do matter in life. Cause honestly, these things don't matter at the end of the day, you know, your family, that kind of stuff matters, right? Cause they're going to be there for the rest of your life. No matter what friends will come and go, money will come and go. All that stuff will come and go, but it's family, you know, it's being that father that you, they need you to be. So they become that father later on. Right. Or that wife, I guess if you want to look at it that way too. Yeah. And that's, Every, every dad needs to realize that like the time you have right now, it's not going to last forever. And it's your time. This is the biggest impact you're ever going to have because you can, you could raise someone who's a huge detriment to society, or you could raise the next president of the United States. You could, you could raise, you know, a CEO of a company has a thousand employees and he affects every single one of them in a certain way. Like what you decide to do today with your son and daughter has an infinite impact. Like you have to realize that. And that's, and even sometimes whenever I become, you know, I, I'm guilty of it too. Maybe I'm, I'm worried about my workouts, my diet. I'm worried, worried about work. I'm worried about all this stuff. And it's just me, me, me. You know, I got to realize like, no, I am secondary right now. Like the reason I'm doing this stuff for myself is so I can be a better husband and father. Like if I, you know, if I'm, if I'm leveling myself up, it's for their benefit, but if I come home and I'm only thinking about the stuff that I have to do or, you know, work on my phone or anything like that, like I am neglecting my biggest responsibility in the world. And that is to be an awesome dad right now. Because if I'm and like, I've, I've talked about this before on my page, like sometimes we get, we have our own little tantrums and we get upset. We're having a bad day at work. We're stressed out. We come home and, you know, we just have a, you know, our son who just misses us so much and wants to, wants to say something to us. And then we kind of snap at it because he annoys us a little bit. It's like, and then you're like, Oh, I got that out. I'm okay. It's like, yeah, you're okay right now, but your sons might remember that forever. Yeah. Especially if they're like, you know, above two years old, like they'll remember you forever talking to them in that way. So like, and not to put the pressure on, but the pressure's on, like, you've got mm-hmm. so much time, you've got so many years, and then you've got to monitor what you say, you've got to monitor what you do. And Every single word, like, but the thing is, like, if you continually try to improve yourself, if you try to have habits and routines, like you're saying, it's not a huge crisis every single moment. Like, eventually, if you just, like, establish the consistent habits of eating healthy, of talking to your wife with respect, of being loving and caring, like, that just becomes who you are. And you don't have to worry every single moment about, am I going to say this shitty thing? Because you just are someone who doesn't say shitty things. Now I've been thinking about that a lot recently. I'm like my son's getting older and he's, he's mimicking more and more things. And sometimes when they're younger, you can get away with some stuff. 
you know, you cause they forget about it or, um, you know, they, they're upset and then you can say, okay, well, let me take you outside real quick or blah, blah, blah. And they, they're happy. But, you know, the older they get, the, the more they hold on to the words and actions you do. So for me, I feel like I'm really under the microscope as to, man, I got to put myself in the best light every single day. My son, my son's looking at me. Um, and my, obviously my daughter too, but I was, but, uh, for him recently, I've been really, really thinking about that. Who are some like good models that you see, you know, out there, it could be in social media, out in the world for your kids. Like, who do you want your kids looking up to? Yeah. So, um, geez, I mean, there's so many different ways to look at that question. It's a very yeah. question. Answer it however uh, I mean, you want. I, I use, well, I used an example actually last night from my college girls because they were looking for leadership in college and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, like from a leadership sports standpoint, I always say like, who would you want to mimic? And I, mean, I, I think the ultimate leader, and I don't even really, I'm not a Patriots fan or anything, but Tom Brady, right? I look at him, the more I read about that dude, he is a role model for every athlete out there. Boys, girls, doesn't matter, right? And, and then the example I want to give, I always tell them, I'm like, anybody you talk to that played with Tom Brady, they always say the same thing. He is the first in the locker room. He's the first in the weight room. He's the first at practice. He's the last to leave. He's always the one working harder than everybody else. Like that is leadership. Like, and he, he, he leads by example all day, every day. And then on the field, he has every right to say whatever he wants to any player because he outworked all of you. He put in more time and more effort and everything. And he does, you know, he earned that respect by being there. Right. So I like to use that example from an athletic standpoint. I mean, there's a Michael Jordan's, there's a Kobe Bryant's, you know, they, they are true leaders and they, they, they proved it on in the practice when by the way they practice um in my personal life um i would say my dad obviously i had a great dad too um he coached me in everything i did he the way he approached me with athletics and stuff like that was awesome because he coached me in everything but he never that car ride home with your kids after an athletic event it doesn't matter what sport it is if you sit there and you rip them apart on what they did wrong <laughs> this is this is something we happen right happens up my college girls again i dealt with this um, they're so worried what mom and dad still think in college. Yeah. And it's, it's, you're always trying to impress your mom and dad. I think for the rest of your life, you should, I mean, most kids do. Um, but like, if you're beating your kid up every time they're in the car with you after an athletic event, guess what they're not going to want to do for the rest of their life is play that sport. They're yeah. going to quit there. That is not fun. I mean, I, I guess the example I like to use is um, if you are working and you have a job, how much do you love it when your boss is sitting there micromanaging every move you make every, every mistake you made, he points out or she points out and you did this wrong today. You did that wrong today. You did this wrong today, blah, 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 fix this, fix that. And then on the car ride home, when you're going to work, you're done with work. They call you, you get an email, write more things about what you did wrong and ripping you a new one, right? That's not fun by any means. You don't want that as a parent when you're working in the workforce. And your kids absolutely don't want that. So I said my, my best example, my dad did this to me and why he's a role, been a role model my whole life is he just said, you know, I love you. I love watching you play. That's the best thing for me that I like to do as a dad. But if you want to talk about it, let me know. I'll be there for you. That's all you got to say to him. And then they will usually talk to you way more often than not. But if you're sitting there always telling them what they did wrong time. That's really time, good. Yeah. Yeah. It's like show your kids love. That simple. Talk to them in loving ways. Stop pointing out the negative all the time because you don't like that as a person, right? As a, an employee or mm -hmm. whatever it is. 
when people rip you apart, even on social media, people come at us all the time for whatever it is. It's not fun. I usually just delete and block the person, but like, but they're even attacking my kids. I have 11 year old kid. I'll post on my hitting page and I'll get some jerk out there saying, well, their swing isn't perfect. They do this wrong, this wrong, this wrong. <laughs> like, like, I hope you're not a coach, man. Like you're just a guy who's never swung before. <laughs> exactly. But they will rip apart. And I got some coaches that will go out there ripping on kids. And I'm like, Oh, what you yeah what did you just do to that kid's confidence you yeah. destroyed it and they were doing a really good job in that drill compared to where they're at you know we are just growing little by little most of these kids aren't super athletic they're not the stars out there they're trying to get better and it's a big part of growing you know enjoying that journey and having people on the way that encourage them to keep doing what they're doing you know keep pushing you know you're doing awesome and then you get that one jerk on social media that's like the kid sucks can't swing can't do this and that's like that kid saw that and now you just took them back to pay one and they're beat up mentally. So, uh, there, I got my brother. I mean, both my, I have two brothers. Um, but one's older, one's younger. One's a priest. He's actually, he runs like this fit shepherds thing. He started, he works out with all of his congregation. He takes them out and runs around with them and lifts weights and awesome. does all that stuff, building community in that way, right at his church. And he's actually at university of Oshkosh in Wisconsin with all the kids. So he does it with the college kids. He's really good with college kids too. He played baseball at, D2 and all stuff. So he can relate really well. Um, my older brother coaches. He's got two daughters. Um, he coaches um, out there. He's a you know, travel coach. He played in college too. He went to the World Series in college. So he has awesome experience. Like it's, it's amazing. Even my sister, she's starting to like start her own social media stuff finally. I've been trying to get her to do this stuff forever because she's a mm-hmm. good coach. She's a manager in sales, right? But like she's really good at building people up. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's a big part. So like I don't know. Those are really my examples. I, I it comes more from my family of how I grew um, and become what I became. But um, you know, you, everybody has those other people that are out, outside of that that can grow through like sports or whatever it is. Um, some people will say Oprah, but I'm not that person, right? <laughs> right. So, but I, I'm I'm not that kind of person. But it's it's more me when I look at my life. It's it's who raised me to what I am today, and that's definitely my family. You know, they raised me in a specific way, and it helped me be a more confident man growing in life. And then just the experience my dad put out there, being a man himself and being a good father, how he treated my mother. Like I, I learned from all that stuff. So it's kind of interesting how we, we grow up in our environment. We become what our environment really is. Yeah. The impact your family had on you is yep. having an impact on every one of your students, on your kids. Like we talked about an infinite impact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, so, yeah. Good. Go oh, and I was going to say like, there's another, like I, we have such an alcoholism problem in this country. Like it drives me crazy because I see it in college a lot. Like yeah, we just had, a, there was a kid that walked home um, from, he's actually the lower, like our, one of the lowest football players. He walked home um, just a couple nights ago. My net wife is a nurse. She, she was there for this whole incident. He got hit by a train because he was under the influence walking home. Like he got hit by a train and he barely survived because it was so cold outside that he survived it. He lost his arm. He lost his leg. We, Oh my like, God. but like, I look at all these families, like the, they come home and mom and dad's drunk all the time. I get like, I, we get kids that come from these situations, uh, you know, even on our softball team, like they, they come from really rough homes, like drinking all the time. So what do you think they're going to do in college all the time? They're going to drink, like they're going to usually find the bottle. Right. So it, it's that example. Like I don't drink a lot. I really don't. I mean, I don't And maybe once a month I might have a drink. I just, it's just not who I am. It's not part of my life. I don't care about it. Um, it doesn't help me in any which way. Um, but if I'm like, maybe with, I'm more of a social drinker. So I'm with a bunch of friends once a month, I'll have a, a beer, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I'm but, the same way. 
but yeah, but I don't do it in front of my kids. I don't drink in front of my kids ever. Like I just don't do it. So, but if you're that parent that is drinking every night and you have to have that eighth bottle of whatever it is, or that eighth beer before you go to bed to get you help to sleep, your kids are going to mimic that too. And that that's really hard to grow up in. And it's hard to expect your kids not to be that a drinker or a smoker or whatever it is in that world or whatever your habit is at that point. They, again, they usually mimic that personality trait that you're bringing forth. And that's, that's a real problem we have in the college world, you know, but I'm, I've learned a lot because my parents did not drink around me very often ever. They really didn't go out. So I guess that's why I don't do anything. <laughs> like I, I grew up in it, but if you're a parent out there listening to this, like understand the impact you have on your kids because it is massive just from a, having a beer all the time or just having that cigarette all the time. How do you expect your kid not to do that kind of stuff and be an athlete or whatever you're trying to get them to be if you're doing that 24 seven and that's what they see. So that's what I wanted to point out on that one. <laughs> that was great. I just let you go, man. That was excellent. Yeah. I didn't have to say anything. It was amazing. I appreciate it. So for every, yeah, every aspect of what we do, our kids pick up on it and then they grow up, they have their own kids, their own employees, and they do, they do it to them. I, for the alcohol thing, I'm, I'm kind of the same way. If, if there's a big event, like next, you know, Valentine's Day is coming up, we'll go out, we'll have, you know, a couple of drinks on Valentine's Day, but alcohol doesn't really do much for me. If it was this great thing, and it improved me and I felt better afterwards, maybe I would. But any anytime I've like, all right, I deserve this, I should drink a little bit more. I, you always regret it. Like, I'm always yeah. like, nope, I shouldn't have. And I knew it going into it. So yeah, I, I'm probably like, no, I haven't had it. It's been over a month since I had my last drink, but we'll have one next weekend because we're going out with some friends. But same thing. It's just like, you know, a couple glasses of wine or something like that. Yeah. Gone are the days of uh, when I was in college, I, I did have a, a few, you know, heavy drinking nights. But, you know, if you're in college, that might happen, as you know as a college person, but <laughs> it can't, it can become a, an issue. Like you could develop that habit in college that goes with you for the rest of your life. Like for me, it was like, you know, once one is still once or twice a month at a party or something. But I, I knew I, when I came into college, there was a guy who was there for three years before me. And he, mm -hmm. when I graduated, he was there for three more years. I don't know how, like he just kept on getting scholarships because he was talented, <laughs> but he was that man. He was that frat guy that drank every single night. And that was his identity. That was his whole identity. Now, you know, now he's only a couple, he's probably like four years older than me. He looks like he's 60 um, and he has all these health problems, but yeah, for, I think like 10 years straight, his college stint, he was the guy who just drank and drank and drank. And it was awesome while he was in college, you know, it's like he, he was the man in college, you know, for, for his world. Um, um, everyone looked up to him and that was in that frat house but like now like yeah real life it's not good he's got a wife he's got kids his health is all jacked up you know he's got lifelong problems now because he abused that you know it's bad here it's not you know it's bad here in the u.s but it is nowhere near like it is in australia have you talked to anyone in australia no i really don't know anyone in australia i didn't i mean i knew they had their lockdown was way intense compared to ours yeah. I can't imagine the issues that created with the alcoholism and everything else, but I didn't know. Yeah. I've interviewed a couple guys, a couple men's coaches out in Australia. And apparently they've got a really bad alcoholism problem where it's just baked into everything. Like you, I think you would be shocked if you went over there and just the blatant group alcoholism that's on TV and you know, the, the professionals, they, he was telling me some of their professional sports teams, 
like they go on TV live, have drinking events where they're all like trying to get hammered. And it's just, yeah, I think in like alcoholism and guys, you know, forcing drinks is like one of the biggest problems what he was telling me in Australia, but you just, you just don't hear about it at all. Um, but for us, I feel like you see it, you see it in sports. It's always related to sports, which I'm sure you're aware of, you know, Super Bowls, Super Bowls coming up. You've got to drink, you've got to do that. That's kind of where the father comes in. That's where, that's where the father has to come in and say, yep, son, you see that. Yeah, that's silly. Some people could do that. And if you're a guy who lives according to a code and your kids respect you and they look up to you, you could say, yeah, you can be like that or you can be like me. And that's the thing. Like you could, like if you, someone like you, who's like disciplined, has consistent habits, who's, you know, successful at his job, you, you have that power. Now you get to say, you have the choice to live your life like me. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're, if you're a slob and you know, you're super overweight, you're, you, you know, you sleep in all day and you're on your phone all the time. And then you, you start spouting out this wisdom, you know, then your kids might probably won't listen to you. Yep. And then you have this like cross thing where it's like, yeah, I, I say one thing, I do another. And for me, it, for me, it reminds me of, I used to, when I was a kid work at a landscaping company, there's always these like 40, 50 year old guys who are lifers there smoked weed in the truck all day, always smoking and drinking on the job. You know, they would have all the wisdom in the world. You know, they would, they would tell you how to get rich, how to live your life. And then in my head, as a young kid, I was just like, yeah, well, I would do the exact opposite of what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> I'll do the exact opposite of what you're doing growing up because I don't I don't want to be in your position. Don't want that right. much. Yep. Yeah. I want yeah, to go back. I, go ahead. I will say that is that is a big part of like some I mean you will meet those those rare outliers that like they're around that so much that they can't wait to get out of it. Yeah. Right. So but you can't expect that as a father to be no. that way, to be the alcoholic or be the whatever or beats the wife or whatever and just treats people like crap all the time for your kids to get out of that habit to be a better than you when you're the polar opposite of what you think a good man is. And, and I think our culture really drives the wrong message for, for what father or what a real man is, right? Like what real fatherhood is like a real father stays with their family. A real father stays with the kids. A real father fights for everything for their kids and their, their wife and everything and keeps the family together. Our culture is so backwards on that. Like when you watch TV, what's a real man? The one that's getting drunk all the time and smoking Mm -hmm. Mr. Cool over there. Right. And it's like, no, that's not a real man. Like a real man is the one that stayed with their family and would rather be with their family than friends. Um, The way I look at it, the most manly men I know out there, they will skip any event for their family. Like they, it's all about family. Right. And we, we always get trapped. I do it too. I mean, it's hard to get away from your job. And we get too into our work sometimes and you just got to put the phone down sometimes walk away from it. But yep. our culture just, it destroys what a real man really is. And, and you see divorce rates skyrocketing because of, I feel like what the culture and you watch TV, what they're portraying, you know, to be what a man is. And it's like, now that's not a man. When you know, when you meet a real man that shakes your hand firm and it has vice by his side and his kids are, you know, all just great people that's a man. Like, I don't care what his job is or whatever it is. It's, that's the man that shook my hand firm, said hi to my wife and myself, you know, got to know me on a personal level, just a little bit, you know, just met him. Like, that's a man, not the one that I see partying over there getting hammered, you know, because TV told me that was cool. Yeah. So it's just interesting what our culture has done to men and fathers in general. Yeah. I mean, 
I, that's how I started out with when I started with Rising Father. That was kind of like one of the impetus, one of the reasons why I was kind of trying to put out this message was because I know so many guys who are beaten down. You know, there are fathers who are beaten down who think that, you know, the best is over. Life is, you know, my goals and dreams are done, you know, and it also came into just the messages you constantly see on TV. The, the King of Queens dad, the Ray Romano dads, you know, the, the you're just typical <laughs> sitcom dads that are just fat. They're fat, lazy drunks who get bossed around all day. Like, I'm so sick of seeing that. And, you know, we went from super strong dad to who took care of the family to the, mm -hmm. to the idiot who screws everything up. And I don't see that as much, but I, it hasn't turned around at all yet. Like, I... Yeah. I'm I'm still waiting for the movies and TV shows where the father is wise, strong, mature, caring, a provider, and he just takes care and just and just crushes life. Like I'm still waiting for that. Yep. Usually it's always that the the father has some type of horrible character flaw that gets solved by the mother or some more sensitive figure and the father's, you know, masculinity is the reason why he's failing at everything. But I mean that it's such a, a massive problem that that needs to be fixed. But here's the thing: if you're a guy and that's you're in a situation, which is probably most guys, where you're not living up to your potential, you know, none of us are. Then guess what? If you're a tough guy, if you're a strong guy, you can take some criticism. You can take yeah. some feedback. That's what being a man's about. It's about yeah, we you get called out on not being fit enough, on not being strong enough, not being tough enough not being a better, a good enough dad. If you're this, if you're a tough guy, you can handle that criticism. Mm -hmm. you know? Don't go crying about it. Just, yeah. Start, start making some changes in your life. You can handle it. Yep. Little by little. Like I, I think a lot of it too, like a lot of men go out there and they try to do too much at once. Right. It's, it's really hard. I mean, you see, uh, you do see on, I mean, social media, you see some guys super ripped or whatever it is. And they're both like they're leading the greatest life and your life isn't there. Take it little by little. Don't try to do it all at once. You know, <laughs> like just start getting up a little earlier in the morning, like set a routine in that way, do all that stuff. So um, if you do that, like just, I always, my big thing is we'll get 1% better every day. That's what I tell my athletes. That's what I tell anybody that would ask that question. Like, how do I get better as a person? Don't expect it to happen overnight. It's not going to happen overnight. It's a, your social media page, right? That didn't grow overnight. That took a lot of time and work but you yep. love what you do. So find your passion, you know, get better at just start something. Like if you want to get more jacked or more, whatever it is, or better with your family, take go 1% a little bit more at a time, take a little bit more out of your day for that one thing. And you will get better at it. You just have to set it, make it a priority. You know, if, if you really want something, you'll achieve that goal. I, I truly believe that, but a lot of people just talk to, you know, they'll, they'll just say whatever. They'll just say, yeah, I want to get stronger great you know like but what are you doing about it what is your what's your plan of attack here what's your goal did you write it down did you do all these things to get there and most of them won't i mean most people don't they don't know they don't even understand how to do that and i think that's why your page is really cool because it shows what a good father is you know it really you know like again when i saw the one of you just working out with your kid that was awesome i was like that's huge to me like that mimicking style of parenting you know he's going to grow up wanting to work out and get stronger and he's going to be in better shape his whole life because of it, you know? So I think people just need to start. And that's, well, I mean, what does that take you a day? You know, just getting up with him a little bit, half an hour more earlier in the morning, you know, it's not really killing your whole day. 
you just start that little by little. So um, again, going back, just set yourself up for success, but don't expect it to all happen at once. This is, that's not realistic. You know, that's why I kind of hate new year's. Like everyone's like, I'm going to go. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, great. You signed up for a membership. Yeah. But you, didn't, you know, you went once, you know, but you didn't set up a calendar. You didn't set up when you're actually going three times a week or whatever your, your goal is, but yeah, it's uh, um, but yeah, I, I was going to actually ask you this, how much role did your mother have in you becoming a good father? Um, I mean, a, a, a massive role. Yeah. And, um, it's probably something he's talked about more. I'm glad you asked that question. Mm -hmm. Um, so for me, my, my dad worked full-time plus people, I worked two, two full-time jobs total. Cause I come from a family of, uh, nine kids. So wow. there were, I have eight brothers and sisters, all Catholic. We lived in a two bedroom house. So I shared my, I shared my, um, room with four other guys Jeez. growing up. And then mm -hmm. my mom worked at mom. My mom was a stay at home mom for my whole life. And, you know, that's nonstop work. That's nonstop laundry. It's nonstop yeah. food, nonstop driving people around. I mean, she worked tirelessly my entire life as I, you know, when I was living there, it's a very sacrificial life, especially if you've got <laughs> nine kids. That's crazy. Um, so like we had a, we had a station wagon. It was all rusted out. Um, <laughs> and, yeah. The wood and, panel station wagon. Yeah, we did the Chevy Caprice classic. And, um, you know, we'd have to take two cars to go places. And, you know, if they had, and they sent us all to Catholic school, which was expensive as hell. Yeah. Um, my boys go to Catholic school. I know if, how they, <laughs> if they had, if they had two kids, you know, they could have had a much more, um, materialistically successful life but you know for them they had like we're, we're all friends now we have big family vacations we're very close family um so it's a very full life they have but for me it kind of steals my excuses a little bit whenever i think that i'm busy or i'm i'm working hard you know i i think about you know man what if i had nine kids yeah. and i had to make food for nine people and I had to wash their clothes and then I had blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, when dad, when dad comes home, you got to have some stuff ready. So yeah, for me, it's, she's a great example of sacrificially tirelessly working for the family. Mm -hmm. yep. How about, how about you? Uh, that was, I mean, I brought it up because my, you know, when you were asking me the question, like who are my role models and things yeah. like that, I mean, my mom has to be one of them, you know, mm -hmm. like, like my dad, you like your dad probably wasn't there a lot. My dad was there a lot more than most dads, but when I was really young, he traveled a lot for work. Um, so like she took everything under her wing. She had to cook, she'd do everything. Like, I mean, we had lasagna. She made lasagna so much just to feed. We had, there's a four of us. So still a big family compared to today's standards, but yeah, um, it wasn't nine, you know, like nine is that's impressive. Um, that is a hard, a hard reality, you know, like Chris, and you got to think Christmas. I mean, we had, maybe one or two Christmases that we maybe got one toy max, you know, like, cause we yeah. just couldn't afford it, you know, I was, um, but they still did everything they could to provide the life that we had. And they still got us to all of our sports. They still got us everywhere we needed to get to. And like, you know, you look at your mom, it's kind of a superhero at that point. You're like, when you really look back, you're like, how did they do that? I got three yeah. kids and I'm like, this is unbelievably hard to try to get everywhere that I'm trying to get to. And, still cook them meals and get up early in the morning, get the lawn. You know, my wife is amazing too. Like 
I see her as that same way, that role model to me, because she pushes me to be a better man. Like, I think marrying a woman that's going to push you to be a better man is huge, too, you know? Um, they even got in that. That's a whole other discussion, right? But uh, another podcast. Know, yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> but it's, uh, it's, it's huge what my mom did for our family and how she set us all up for success and made the role for my dad to be a better father as well. Like, it's such a, and when they would fight, if they would get in a fight, they'd go in a different room. Like, they never yeah. fought in front of us ever. I never saw my parents fight. They would go lock a door somewhere and talk things out like adults, but mm-hmm. they still didn't want us to see that. So that was really cool to me um, to see that's how they handled arguments and things of that money, whatever the issue was, but they didn't ever show it in front of us. You know, like I never saw my parents scream at each other ever. So I thought that was really cool. So I don't, I mean, my wife and I, we don't scream at each other. We sit down, we have conversations. We might argue a little bit more like with a different tone. And then we like, all right, let's take a break, step away from each other. Yeah. But she had, she had amazing parents too. She's actually from Brazil. Um, her parents are missionaries down in Brazil, which is again, a whole different respect level I have from them because they travel the world in that way, uh, helping pour out, helping all sorts of people out in their mission for their church. But it's just like how, like how cool a family background and father she had I, and mother she had. And then like, same with my mother, like mothers are superheroes of this world. Like there's such, there's such an important role for us to become good fathers, you know? If that makes sense. It does 100%. And yeah, that's an entire, could go on for hours about that. Mm-hmm. If, and if you're a guy who wants to improve himself, you want to rise, you want to become a better man and father, like step one is checking your relationship with your wife. Mm-hmm. It's like, that is your ride or die. That's the one who's with you forever. They impact every decision you make. Like if you, you want to start getting up earlier and going to the gym. Well, it has to work out with your wife. And if she's not supporting you in that because of your past relationship, then you've got a whole ton of stuff to work on. Like, and you can't just expect her to go along with anything you want to do because you have to earn that respect and build that relationship to the point where you do support each other. Like me and my wife are very supportive of us having our own time. You say she wants to have a girl's night, you know, every, every December she goes to a cabin with a girl's night. I don't, I don't let her do that. And then I don't have her do that. And then say, well, now I get to go somewhere next, you know, next week, like so many couples do. I posted this one video. I didn't think, I thought it was going to be a nothing video. It's like a million views. It was just about like, Hey, this is a Saturday morning. I went to jujitsu in the morning. My wife went to CrossFit. She has the kids. Then I came home, I took the kids and she went to the, like, it was just showing that, Hey, work together. Yeah. And it, it's like, almost it's so many people are looking at it. So many people are commenting on it. Either you have happy couples who love it and say, you know, go, you we're the same way teamwork, you know, all that kind of stuff. Or you have miserable people who are saying, Oh yeah, well, it sounds like your wife got to go two places and you got to go one place, you know, but you know, I was like, this is one Saturday. This is showing you that we help each other out. Sometimes she goes to nine places and I go to one. Sometimes I go to 10 and she goes to one. We're not keeping score. Like one of the best that we had a marriage counselor before, like in, in our Catholic church, you had like a veteran couple who like, yep, I knew yep. so one of the, one of the best things they ever told me, one of the best piece of advice I've ever gotten. They said, all right, you're going to get married. It's not going to be 50, 50. You 
can't expect it to be 50 50. If you're going into every day counting score and saying, you got to do that. So I get to do this where I'm going to give 50. So I get 50 from you. Then you're going to live a life of misery. Like some days I'm going to give 90. She's going to give 10 vice versa. And Hey, what about whenever she's pregnant? You know, my wife uh, had like C-section. So she was out for a while. I had to give more following and she had to give more before what if she gets depressed for two years am i just going to give up on her am i going to say no you're not supporting me right now it's like no man up yep. no it's not going to be 50 50 but i i wasn't expecting that to get so much traction but apparently like things that are controversial are things that, that go out there far and a, a lot of people agree with it a lot of people disagree with it mm-hmm. yeah it's uh marriage is the hardest thing you'll ever do in life Right. So I'm actually, I got divorced when I, I got married when I was super young. Then yeah. got divorced like a few years. We just weren't right, right for each other. Um, we had our daughter and stuff like that. We thought we we're going to do the right, you know, doing the right thing and stuff like that. We just, we get along so well now, like my ex and myself, because, you know, we actually got divorced and found right, the right people for ourselves. And it's been so much better for my daughter because yeah. of it. If we were to stay together, my daughter would be miserable, I think, because we fought so much. Like we just, we were very, we met in college. You're very different people after college. And that's why I did like, we wanted yeah. very different things. And, and we, you know, you learn a lot about yourself when you're right on every stage of life. Right. And then, yeah. So, um, but I've learned a lot from that too. It's just, it's, it is pretty amazing. Um, I mean, I, I, I look at my life now and how much I've grown as a father because of, well, now to my second marriage, I've been married for eight years now. Right. So, but yeah, it's like, it, it, I don't know. It's such a cool process you go through as a father and, and learning from your wife. But that, that sacrifice, I think marriage is just pure sacrifice. It really has to be. But like, I got the same thing from the message of um, the, the marriage counseling. Once you keep score, you lose in marriage. So yeah. you cannot keep score. It is the worst thing you could literally do for your marriage. Don't do it. It's horrible. I've done it. I did it in my first marriage. I didn't take that advice. We got in our first marriage. They told us about that, right? We had the same um it sounds like we had an awesome marriage counselor because we had the same kind of thing um being catholic and stuff we had to go through that i just yeah. didn't live i was too prideful <laughs> i was too stupid i didn't i learned so much from my first uh, marriage about what not to do yeah. <laughs> like, i was not a good father then like or a good husband i should say yeah um, i wasn't the husband i should have been but i was so young i was like 23 to 25 i was just stupid i was just immature you know all these dumb things that we are when we're young and we learn from it but yeah. Yeah, that, uh, that message of keeping score is so true. And it makes such a big difference when you stop keeping score and you just do things out of love. Like, do the, I do the dishes in the morning because I know my wife hates doing it. I don't care. Like, I'm going to do them anyways. Like, I'm going to do them every time and I'm not going to complain about it. Um, you know, and she does laundry. Like, I don't like doing laundry, but she hates doing the socks. So I always do the socks. Like, and I do not care. I'll do the socks all day. Like, I'm just trying to make her life easier. And, and it's never it's never a score thing, you know? So we just... We're just there to support each other and, 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 you know, sacrifice for each other because I don't know, it's kind of like your marriage vows, right? Like in sickness and in health, that's kind of a big deal. Like they could get super sick for five years and you might be at service for five years. And if you're yeah. keeping score that entire time, do you expect her to just take care of you like a baby the next five years? Like that's not yeah. realistic. It's yeah. going to fail at that point. So do it out of love, do it out of sacrifice and know that's marriage. That is, that is just purely loving someone. And then your kids are going to see that. And that's a big part of being a father and showing them an example of what that is. I love it. I got a good quote from you. It was, uh, if as soon as you keep score, you lose. I'm going to, yep. I'm going to post that. Awesome. That, man. That's, that's what helps. <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, that, that's great. That's a um, let's end it there, man. That was I could yeah. honestly I could keep going, but me too. Um, great talk. I lo- yeah, I love talking to you. So yeah, awesome. we'll what, do it again today. How about that? Yeah, we need to, and I'll come out and get like a batting lesson. You can. Oh, there you go. See how horrible! <laughs> how horrible! All my. Oh, your kid. You bring your kid with, and I'll teach him how to hit. There you go. Oh, daughter. <laughs> so your Instagram is at hitting coach Nate. Yep. Um, any anywhere else you want people to find you? Anything you're doing? Yeah, Facebook I actually have a bigger following. Um, that's uh, at Coach Nate Baseball and Fast Pitch. Um, Twitter, it's my handle. I started so long ago I couldn't get rid of it. It's uh, at Weber zero 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 three. But I don't even do a lot on Twitter. I just kind of get annoyed with Twitter. I always have. I never yeah, really I, liked it. I don't either. But I put stuff out there. Um, everyone says I need to start a YouTube channel, and I, I may mean, kind of have one. But that's the Hitting Coach Nate um, thing as well on 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 YouTube. But yeah, uh, Instagram, I like, I actually like using Instagram more than Facebook and everything else. Just kind of easier platform yeah. um, in general. So that's where I'm at. And I really, really appreciate you having me on. Man. This is an awesome talk. So it's a different talk for me because I usually try to talk coaching the whole time with most people when I do my YouTube or my uh, uh, podcast. But it's kind of nice to have talking about technique and stuff like that the whole time. Yeah, sure. Talk about dad. It's kind of sweet. I love it. Well, we're going to stay in touch and I'll have some other people through the loop and then we'll have you back on again and uh, we'll keep in touch in the meantime. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate your time. God bless.